Family is so important these, these days, guys. As family is pulled and pushed by the culture of this day, it is so important to make sure that your kids know how love is spelt. Here's how love is spelt. T-I-M-E. We need time with our kids. Kimberly and I have had four, and we've been through the normal challenges of life, but let me tell you, investing time in your children is your God-given responsibility, even as, even as grandparents. So, good morning, New Hope. And family and visitors, it's great to see you. If you came in this morning, you would have been given a very short outline. And I've called it entitled this morning because we do a lot of searching, Googling, searching for a savior. Actually, many publications have articles like this one here, In Search of Christmas. Time is one. Another one here, Finding God on the Web. And Searching for Jesus Online. Here's three quick ones that show that people... This, these quick, next one, Chris, the next ones show you three clicks, one, two, three. So these are telling you that multinational magazines are spending time, effort, and energy focusing on the questions that people are asking. Many people are asking about Jesus. Now, what the media has really actually figured out deep inside is that we are seekers. We want to know whether our life has meaning, whether we have any hope at all. If we're just random molecules with no meaning, purpose, or direction, well, there is no meaning and purpose. But if there is a God, if there's a possibility of God, people want to know about that. That's why magazines like this ask those questions. People are looking around after the fog of the COVID of 2020. Ironically, 2020, you're supposed to have perfect vision. Well, this year has been anything but clear. But people are wondering... Who can give me the basic answers to the questions of life? And millions of people are searching for answers like, is there a God? Is there one? And if there is, does he care about me? Does he know what's going on in my life? And if so, how could I even get to know him? See, today, if you're a spiritual seeker, sitting in this service, or you're listening online, you're in good company, friends. And you have a lot in common with the wise men. They were seekers of God searching for truth, searching for a savior. And they crossed all of the Middle Eastern desert, possibly taking between four to six months to get to the place in Israel. Now, the wise men did three things, and that's what I'm going to focus on this morning briefly. Three things that the wise men did, and if you will do the same three things, I believe you'll find God as well. First one. The first thing necessary to find God is you need to have a commitment to search for the truth. They wanted to find the truth. If you want to find God today, you've got to seek. Now notice it is a verb. You have to do something. You actually have to put some effort into seeking the truth. Like for me, the other day, quite strangely... For the first time in my entire life, I lost my glasses. Anybody ever lost any glasses or keys <laughs> or anything important? Wallet? Can I see your hands? Has anybody lost something here? Can I see your hands? Okay. I don't know about you, but when I lost them, it's kind of like it's got my nose. Everything I'm thinking, where are my glasses? Where are my glasses? Where are my glasses? I'm looking everywhere. I'm looking all sorts of crazy places. I even looked 
in the oven. I looked in the cupboard. I thought, well, how can they just vanish on me? I mean, you get that desperate. And I started to do a grid search of the entire house. I'm not moving till I know it's not here. And I searched and I searched. Now, randomly, four weeks after I lost my glasses, four weeks after, I'm outside. Now, this is, I don't normally get this help, but I've got to tell you, this would look mighty strange. But this actually happened, and here's the proof, okay? I'm sitting there painting another weekend, and next minute I get this strange impression. I don't get impressions apart from I'm hungry, but I felt, this, this is a weird thing. Stop what you're doing and go to the hedge and put your head inside the hedge. Now, that's ridiculous. Like saying, sticking it down the toilet, right? <laughs> what would I ever do that for? That's ridiculous. But this is the third time. The first two times I've ignored it. It's too ridiculous and outrageous to be even worth considering. Third time it came again. This time I thought, well, I've got time. I'm going to do that. So I hopped off. And I watched. I mean, nobody's looking. No, no neighbors are looking. So I walked up to this hedge. And I just chose a spot, and I stuck my head in that. That, would have been, that is ridiculous. I have three degrees. One's a doctorate. People with degrees don't go sticking their heads in bushes. <laughs> I did. Boom. I felt like one of those woody woodpecker guys stuck my head in. I looked down to the left. Didn't even try multiple places. And there to my left were my glasses. I couldn't believe it. What must, uh, I've got some vague explanation of how that happened. I was looking at the hedge about a month ago. But what I'm saying, I wasn't so much about happy that I'd found the glasses all I was. I was actually happy that I'd actually sensed something in my heart, which I believe was the living God speaking to me. I'd already ignored him, though, much to my chagrin twice before. I'd blown off. That's too ridiculous. The point is for you, if you've ever lost your keys, like once when I packed up a moving truck for those people, and their car was right behind the moving truck. You know what's going to happen, don't you? <laughs> Where are your keys? Uh, we had to unpack the moving truck to find the keys. There's a certain intensity when you want to find something. And this is the point here. They sought the truth. They sought the truth enough to get on their camels and head out for three months because they wanted to seek the truth. Is this true or is this false? In other words, you need to go after it and take it seriously. Now, there's a big difference, though, between seekers and speculators. Speculators go, well, I kind of think God is like, and then they say what it is. Or, my idea of God is, and they kind of make it up. They are speculators. Or, I imagine God to be like. They are speculators. Friend, just because you think something does not make it true. On the other hand... Genuine seekers are people who diligently search for the truth. In other words, they search for answers. If you are even open to the possibility of there being a God, will you take the time, effort, and energy like the wise men did to suss it out, to figure it out, true or false? Seekers don't just make assumptions. They take the time and effort to find the truth. And here's what the wise men did. Matthew 2, the story of the wise men. Matthew 2, 1 and 2. After Jesus' birth, remember it's after, the wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem asking. Are you asking? If you're searching for God, are you asking anybody that could possibly point you in the, in the right direction? Friends, if you're in a dark room, which reminds me of another time, shows how old this is, in the day when they built the ASB, the, the original ASB, very high tower in town, I was in there. 
And one day I went in there, and for, I went in there to the bathroom. And I was in the bathroom, and next minute, the lights went out. Let me tell you, it was pitch black. I had just walked in, and there was no way. I was completely confused as to which way to even go. But I could slightly see after about three or four minutes a, a glimmer of light, just a smallest glimmer. So what would an intelligent person do? You walk towards the light. And as you get towards the light, you get more light and more light. So today, if you even have a glimmer, a desire in your heart to search for God, go after the light that you've got and more will be given to you. In this verse, you can see three things that genuine seekers do. Number one, genuine seekers watch what's happening. They're alert to what's happening in the world. They're alert, they're observant. They saw in their case a star that was different. Maybe in your heart you've seen what's going on around the world and you've started to ask yourself a question. Is this significant? What's going on in the world at large at the moment? Second, genuine seekers ask questions. They don't assume they know it all. They start asking around, hey, what does that thing there mean? And then they took action on those, on those responses. Third, they did whatever it took to find the answer, to find the truth. So if you're a genuine seeker today, I would encourage you to do that. Do whatever it takes to find the truth. Ask questions like, have you ever, you may have asked these questions when you were teenagers, some of you. Why am I here? This week I spoke to several young people who were struggling with that question. Here's another question you may have asked when you were younger. Is there a God? Does he care? In fact, God wants you to get to know him. He wants to have a relationship with you. So notice what he promises here in Jeremiah 29, 13. When, here's this word again, you search. When you search for me, with all of your heart, then you'll find me. That's what he promises. So today, if you've got a small glimmer, can I encourage you this Christmas, there is hope, because with God, there is hope. Go towards that light. Keep going. Keep going in that direction. And that's good news. He wants to get to know you. Because God loves seekers and people who genuinely want to know him. That's what Christmas is about. That's the essence of Christianity, friend, is a relationship. It is not rituals and rules and regulations. That is all man-made. God came for a relationship with us. Religion is man's attempt to get to God via rules, regulations, and rituals. You'll notice Jesus had none of those. Christianity says that God is interested in a relationship with you, and when you grasp that fact, then you'll really start to enjoy Christmas. Number two, the second thing they did, we can observe as they came to see the baby Jesus, they experienced the joy. That's what they did. They experienced it. It's one thing having a head knowledge. Oh, I'm joyful, I think. Well, if that's the case, our faces need to show it. Enjoy the fact that God has already taken the first step. He took the initiative for you to know him. He will give you a sign. God will give you, he gave them a sign. And he does this for genuine seekers, not tire kickers. In the wise men's case, 
Their travel guide was a very unique star. And chances are that you have a star, inverted quotes, but you just may never have recognized it. Maybe it's a book, or maybe it's a particular church, or maybe it's a particular person in your life. And you will bring people or things into your life so that we can see that where he wants us to be headed. So what's a star in your life? There are three possible reactions when God starts to guide you this way and starts to show you the light. You can start to say, well, maybe God is talking to me and trying to guide me through this person like this book. And you can react like, firstly, like Herod. And Herod reacted with fear. Whoa, what's this going to mean? Defensive position. Herod took up a defensive position. We can see that in the story. And then secondly, you could act like, that. so fear is one, and defense. The second one is you could react like the religious leaders, and you could be indifferent. Nah, apathetic. And blow it off. That's how the religious leaders initially, because they weren't here. They weren't here. They blew it off. Is inconsequential. You could react like that. That's a second logical possibility. Third reaction. The wise men reacted by celebrating. They rejoiced. They experienced the joy of being led by God. The Bible says here, Matthew 2.10, And when they saw the star, they, what does it say? They rejoiced exceedingly. It's kind of like when you hit that last touchdown just before the whistle. Yeah! There's an enthusiasm and a joy. In fact, it literally says, let me read it. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. It's hard to have a little joy. <laughs> that doesn't kind of work here. So if you're a believer, you can thank God for the people or the events that led you to the Savior. That has changed your entire life and your eternal life. That's why we sing joy to the world. So, if you're a seeker, though, and you're still on the way, you can use the star to lead you to God. Now, let me say something very strange. Sometimes God can use painful experiences to bring you to him. That can be a star. That can redirect your life unexpectedly. Now, some of you here, sitting here today and listening online, have had a very tough year. It's been hard yards. For some of you, perhaps you've had marriage problems and things haven't gone so well. Or you've had problems with your children. Or you've had problems with your health that have come into your life unexpectedly. Or maybe there's been implications, financial implications from COVID-19. Some of you have been disappointed because perhaps some of the goals and the dreams that you had for 2020 have not even near come to pass. In fact, they've collapsed. They just didn't fit together. And some of you, therefore, are left wondering, what is it all about? Lots of activity, but there's a sense of lacking purpose. Or maybe you've been struggling with guilt or disappointment. Well, have you considered that maybe, just maybe, God is trying to get your attention in the middle of all of those problems? So for you at Christmas time, I have some really good news for you. And here it is, Luke 2. The angels said at Christmas, the very first one, here it is, I bring you the most joyful news ever announced. And it's for everybody. That's good news. Did you notice that? It's for everybody. 
Your saviour has been born tonight. Now, why is Christmas such good news? Because of what Christ came to do. He came to be, it tells in that verse, our saviour. That means somebody who saves us. What does that mean? Well, it means three things. It means that God has a Christmas gift for you, and it's Jesus Christ, his son. And it's wrapped up in that gift are three wonderful things. And here's the first one. The first one is this. He says, I want to give you forgiveness. Forgiveness for everything you've ever done wrong in the past. That's forgiveness from sin. Secondly, that's in the past. Today, I want to give you a purpose, and I want to give you power to move forward and to live on and to overcome the humps and the bumps that you find in this life to sustain you. And then thirdly, so there's the past, your past is forgiven, you have a purpose for living, and then thirdly, and most importantly as well, you have the security of knowing that your home in heaven is there for you when you leave terra firma. Friends, you will never get a better Christmas gift than that. Forgiveness from your past, help in the present, and security for your future. Nothing on earth can give you that. The only place you will find, you will not find that in the Lions Club. You will not find that in your local community event club. You will only find forgiveness for your past, a purpose for living, and a home in heaven in Jesus Christ. And it is the only way you can have those things. That's called salvation, and that's good news. Therefore, John 10 10 says this. Jesus said, I came, this is why he came. I came to give you life. Life, and life more abundantly, in all its fullness. Now, most people don't live. They just exist. They don't enjoy life. They just endure it, going in a madness amount of activity. So this Christmas, if you want to find God at Christmas, you need to do three things. As we said, number one. You need to seek the truth like the wise men. Number two, and within you need to experience that joy. And third and finally, you need to recognize the gift that God has given for you. Recognize who this baby really was. This baby was not just a little embryo that grew up inside the dark womb of a teenage woman of about 14, 15 years old. That baby was the second person of the Trinity, God. What makes this baby any different than any other baby? Why do we split history completely in two between AD and BC? Other way around, from your angle, (laughs) that angle. Because the Bible says he was no mere baby. Here's what the Bible says he was in Colossians 1. Christ is the exact likeness of the unseen God. You want to know what God's like? Take a look at Jesus. If somebody says, well, this is what God's like. If he doesn't look like Jesus, it's another God. Small g. He existed before God made anything at all. That's before there was time, space, or matter. That's before the universe began. Whatever created time, space, or matter had to be timeless, spaceless, and immaterial because none of those were even here. He existed before God made anything at all. And in fact, Christ himself is the creator who made everything in heaven and in earth. So that baby, next one, made you. 
that baby. God gave the world its first Christmas present at Christmas. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish or spend eternity apart from him unless they want to, but have eternal life. So Jesus here is the indescribable, next one, the indescribable gift. And now I know that is an amazing gift because I know a lot of people who celebrate Christmas every year and what they do is they put up their Christmas tree and they put up their lights in their place and they sing Christmas carols and they even go to church and they do all those things but they never receive the gift. The main deal. Some of you recognize the gift and you're able to say with a full heart of assurance, I believe Jesus is who he said he was. I believe that he was God, the second person of the Trinity. But you can say that, but have you received him for yourself, personally, into your life? And that's what I would encourage you to do this Christmas. Open your life for him, invite him in, and receive him. Others of you listening to this today, you haven't even recognized him yet. This Christmas, what you need to do is ask yourself the important question. Who was this child? Look, the whole world is going to stop. Why? There was something very unusual about this baby. It split history. doesn't matter what country, what language you speak, what culture you speak. doesn't matter whether you're in an atheistic country. You all recognize his life and how he splits history. Every bank statement, every receipt that rings up this weekend will reference his date of birth and death, AD and BC. Who was he? Was this child, Jesus, really who he claimed to be? Was this really God? How do we know that the wise men recognized the gift? Because of the presence that they gave. The Bible says in Matthew 2.11, when they entered the house, notice it's the house there, slight sidebar, not the traditional manger scene. The house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed and they worshipped him. Now, I don't know about you, but when was the last time I was with a whole bunch of babies yesterday, but I didn't bow down and worship any of them. <laughs> I was chasing around. When was the last time you bowed and worshipped a baby? But friends, this was no ordinary baby. It says this. Then they opened their treasure chests and they offered him gifts of gold. Three things. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Three things. Now we all know that they recognized him as God because firstly they fell on their knees and worshipped him. They didn't worship the star. No worshiping stars. Huh. No, no, let's leave that one alone. They didn't worship Mary and Joseph. No, no, no. But they went after the baby. There was something peculiar about that baby. Because Jesus is the only one worthy of adoration, right? He is our Savior. And this, then it says that they brought gifts, the Bible says. But even the gifts that the wise men brought indicated clearly who Jesus was. First, they brought gold. Now, gold was a gift in the Middle East in those days that you always, you didn't come before the king without gold. You presented gold to a king. The wise men got it. He was a king, so they gave gold. It's in the giving of the gold that we're saying, this baby 
is our King Enzo. So he's worth all of our gold. And they gave him his gold. Then, the second thing he gave, he gave frankincense. Now, frankincense is a very rare, very rare and expensive incense. Very expensive. And it's used to, um, in the temple, they would burn it as a worship God. And the, the, what they were saying then is, this is God, and he is worthy of our worship. That's the second thing they were saying. Then thirdly and finally, it says they brought the baby myrrh. Now, if you were mama, and somebody brought you myrrh for your baby, it could give you a close-on heart attack. The reason for that, it was very odd. Myrrh is a spice in the ancient world that they used to embalm bodies. Embalm bodies. Dead bodies. Why in the world would you give a death spice to a beautiful, brand new little bubba? Why would that be? I'll tell you why. Because they weren't just saying, he is our king and we want to worship him. He's also a savior because he's going to die for our sins. He's going to sacrifice his life on that cross so that the world can be saved through him. So that we can go to heaven. This baby didn't just come to live. He came to die. And that was the point. So what is the spirit of Christmas? You might say, well, the spirit of Christmas is giving, it's receiving, it's goodwill towards all men. And that's part of it. But ultimately, in the spirit of Christmas today, I invite you to seek the truth. One. Two, to recognize the gift who Jesus really was. And three, receive God's gift to receive his son into your life and heart and let him forgive you and fill you with his love. The wise men did. And you'll be wise when you do that too. So God made you to have a relationship with him. You're not just a random bunch. You're not like a moist robot that has no... That you were purposed before you were born, just like Silas today. And God made you for a relationship, and until that is in place, nothing else in this life, here it is, will ultimately satisfy you. Or you may think this will, or that will, or this acquisition, or this position, or this, whatever that may be, an acquisition, or, or that sort of adulation. The point is, none of that will ultimately satisfy. Here's what I want to suggest to you this morning. Only He will ultimately satisfy you and fill that emptiness. So the wise man, as we watch him leave now, they came to Christ as seekers, but they left as believers. And in their investigation, it turned into sacrificial adoration, which resulted in personal transformation. In other words, they were changed. Now, in the end of the account of Matthew, it says that after they'd seen the Christ and they'd given their gifts, they went home another way. That's what it says. They went home another way geographically because of that joke of Herod. But I think there's a double meaning in that. I think they went home changed forever. Friend, you cannot encounter Jesus Christ as a living God and Savior of the world, experience his unconditional love and forgiveness and remain unchanged because it will change you, his love, and you'll leave not the same. 
You walk around with a sense of gratitude and a grateful heart for a God who loves you that much that you would send his only son to die for you. The Bible says in the last verse on your screen on your outline, thank God for his son. His gift is too wonderful for words. So today, I challenge you to give your life to Jesus Christ because he gave his life for you. Give your life to Christ this Christmas and your Christmas gift to him. Would you bear with me and pray? Friends, I'd just like you to shut out everybody else around you. And as we close, why not say a simple prayer in your own heart to God? Because he can hear your thoughts. He knows where you're sitting right now. He knew a thousand years ago that you will be here today and you would hear this message from his word. I'm going to pray a seeker's prayer, just like the wise men. And if you've never opened your life to Jesus Christ, and you've never received his gift to you, why wouldn't you just pray this in your mind? Now, it doesn't matter the exact words you say. What does matter is your heart. Perhaps you'd say something like this, Dear God, thank you for sending me this message of hope. I realize that there's hope to be had in you. I knew something was missing in my life, but I didn't realize it was you. Thank you for seeking me even when I've ignored you. Today, I want to recognize the gift that you sent this Christmas, that Jesus Christ, you are God. And today I want to accept you into my life. I want to accept your forgiveness for all the things that I have done wrong in the past. I want to accept your gift of help to help me in the present time. And Father, I also want to accept your gift of eternal life for the future. I want to follow you. Please help me. Lead me and guide me like you guided those early seekers. In Jesus' matchless name, I pray this. Amen. Friends, this morning, if some of you have made a commitment to Christ, I'd love it if you'd let us know about that. And as the offering buckets go by later on, just drop in that card that you had and let me know about that. I'd love to send you some information to help you on your journey. God bless you. Thank you.